you solo today. I think this is episode 33 of A Little More Free, and it is going to be an astrology-focused segment because our best laid plans have come to naught, (laughs) and uh, Larkin and I were not able to record this week. Uh, She's gotten sick. I had maybe the same thing. It took me like a couple of weeks to get better. It was not that fun. Um, so we're, I mean, hopefully she'll get over it quicker than I did, but in case, um, I'm decided to try to share a little astrology (laughs) since I've gotten some feedback that, that people appreciate it. They just probably don't want the full detail. (laughs) I mean, I think that I've been, I know that I have like, uh, what is it? A complex, the, the, like the feeling that I need to like educate and like impart all of my knowledge. And it's ridiculous. Like most people don't have space for it. (laughs) Um, anyway, I'm going to try to do like just a little mini sort of reflection on this current moment from an astrological point of view that might be interesting to people who are not trying to study astrology. (laughs) I'm trying. I don't know. This is actually, this relates to where the sun is right now, which isn't necessarily something that anyone is, I mean, most, I, at least I, and just what I observe, like, you don't really notice the sun sign that's like going on right now, like where the sun is right now, unless you're like tuned into all that stuff. You know, it's kind of like tuning in CNN and NBC. It's like, if you have it on all the time, then you're totally, it's going to be like in your brain and affecting how you feel. And you're like, you're really aware of it but you can just as well just turn it off and tune it out. And that's the way with kind of a lot of astrology. And there's only, you know, there's either personal transits that will come and hit you personally, like they come and get you. Um, Or there's like the big world transits that kind of like affect everyone. It's like, whether you want it or not, which happened in 2020 and is bleeding over into 2021. And, you know, that was, that was our Saturn Pluto conjunction joined by Jupiter in like the closest, you know, three-way alignment between those planets since the 13th century. That was heavy. We were all there. (laughs) Um, And, you know, ongoing into this year, we continue to have Pluto and Saturn within 15 degrees of each other all of this year. That's wrapping up at the end of the year. And we've also had Saturn square Uranus, um, you know, making this series of exact squares ever since the beginning of 2020. And we're actually heading up to the last one coming up on the 24th of December. And then, and then, you know, next year it's going to be within 10 degrees or something for like all year. So this is kind of, These are the kind of things that everyone feels, whether you believe in astrology or not, but the rest of it, you can usually just ignore. However, it's just fun to acknowledge that in the season of 
the sun being in Sagittarius, which is where it is right now. And me being a Sag, (laughs) I'm about to turn 53. Is that right? No. Yes. Can I do math? Yes. 53. (laughs) Um, I'm really reflecting on or trying to tackle some of my like foibles that I think are really classic Sag, which is a feeling like I have to educate everyone, which can be, you know, like a drag, right? Boring. Like who needs someone like telling them what's what all the time? Like, um, and in talking too much, I'm trying to make this short. I don't think I can do it. (laughs) Anyway, hello. So the sun is in Sagittarius. (laughs) The sun is in Sagittarius and has been since like the 21st of November. And all that means in like, if you don't care about astrology, all that means is this is the month leading up to either the winter solstice, if you live north of the equator or the summer solstice living, if you live south of the equator, what is the solstice? It's either the longest day of the year or the shortest day of the year for us up here. It's the shortest day of the year. So the days are getting shorter and shorter and we're leading up to Christmas. Yay. Um, anyway, that is, you know, you know, there's like, you can come up with meanings if you sort of step away completely from an astrological paradigm, just based on that. Um, but there does seem to be something to the kind of like mythical archetypal sort of constellation around Sagittarius. And so I'm going to share it with you in brief. (laughs) Um, This is the wandering philosopher explorer. uh, is how Daniel G. Mario, founder of shamanic astrology, likes to say it a lot. Um, I've been thinking of it as like the seeker of truth and far horizons. Um, At its best, it's like, you know, sort of joyful and open-minded and open-hearted. Like everyone is a possible friend. Every experience is a possible adventure. And we love mystery. Um, Like the worst thing that you can tell a Sag is like, we've, we've figured it all out and we've mapped the entire universe and everything is known. Like (laughs) that's, that's like the worst feeling <laughs> to a Sag. Like we, th- I love, we thrive on mystery. Mystery is like the quintessential, like, you know, component, you know, it's like the thing that like keeps us going. And so some of us, you know, turn that to sort of spiritual exploration, um, intellectual curiosity, it's an archetype that is often associated with, you know, intellectual things, higher learning, um, people with like lots of Sag or Saggy kind of placements, they often end up in universities. Um, it's also associated with religion. Um, you know, the shadow, one of the shadows of Sag is, you know, fundamentalism. 
and being like overly religious and, you know, kind of trying to do a Capricorn thing with it. Like, I know the truth and I'm going to make you believe I'm going to save you, you know, <laughs> um, <sighs> deep breath. Um, and then, and then Sag also has this, uh, you know, physical adventure sort of side of it that, you know, not everyone expresses, you know, not everyone expresses the spiritual impulses of Sag. Um, just like not everyone expresses the physically adventurous sides of it, but you know, this is, this is someone who wants to climb the next mountain, like literally. Um, and you know, this is like Christopher Columbus and all those explorers who did a lot of harm in their quest for the, you know, the far horizon. But anyway, um, every archetype has its shadow and, you know, one of the classic shadows of Sag, other than the things I've shared about like needing to like tell you what I'm knowledgeable about and like, you know, download all my knowledge into you. It's like, you know, or saying too much, saying things that you shouldn't say, you know, foot and mouth disease um, <laughs> is this like uh, sort of addiction to the truth, like truth at all costs. You know, sometimes being too honest is, it's not kind. And you can be honest without being cruel. And that's one of the nuances that I think um, a lot of sages or saggy types um, can need to wrestle with. <laughs> Not everyone born under a Sagittarius sun is really heavily saggy. That's another thing to know. Like, so just because your birthday is sometime, you know, like you're, you have a Sag sun sign doesn't mean that you are like, like really have a strong Sag energy. Um, but somewhere in there, some of the stuff I'm talking about, probably, you know, the, the thing about the sun is that it is, you know, it's the source of life on earth, right? We'd be nothing without the sun. And so, you know, it's life force and you can think of it as like, you know, your fuel, like it, like burns, it burns, you burn it. <laughs> to get done whatever you need to get done. <laughs> but I mean, it's also like, it's someone who's like deeply, you know, Sagittarian um, can, can feel like, you know, without that, I'm dead. Like, I don't want to live. Like, this is why I'm alive. You know, there's an existential fire in, you know, the sort of quest for truth and meaning um, or the quest for the far horizons of adventure. Sages tend to be very outgoing and gregarious, um, you know, but, you know, you have other aspects of your personality. It's not the only thing that's true for you, depending on other things, but um, it is kind of like an existential fuel um, is sort of how, how, one way to think about that. Um, so it's just a way to like, I guess, you know, it's not like you're going to walk around experiencing like Sagittarian energy around you all month. <laughs> um, 
but it, you know, it's, I guess it's like a opportunity to pause and reflect on the archetype. So, um, we are in an eclipse cycle. Actually, if I get this published when I think I am, it will be on the day of the solar eclipse. Let's see. It's only visible from Antarctica. It is at 12 degrees, 22 minutes Sagittarius is when the exact alignment happens. An eclipse, boys and girls, is when the sun and the moon line up. And usually we call this a new moon. It is still a new moon. But because the sun is very close to a node, a lunar node, we get an eclipse on the new moon. And it is this time it's a south node eclipse. Honestly, don't know exactly what that means. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I am one of these people who, if, if I can go watch an eclipse, like we could, we, we were able to do in 2017, like that was pretty cool. Um, then I get excited about eclipses, but usually they sort of pass by and they don't, they're not, they don't affect me. I mean, it's supposedly like the crucible of transformation, but I have rarely experienced that. So, but just in case it's possible that, you know, for it to like be a trigger for someone, if they've got, you know, if it's the right setup at 12 degrees, 22 minutes Sagittarius, that means like, you know, if you've got a personal chart point there and maybe you're already in a transit to that point, this could be like, you know, a trigger moment. Um, we had the lunar eclipse on the 19th. So it's usually just either a solar followed by a lunar eclipse or a lunar followed by a solar eclipse. And the solar eclipse can be on, on the North node or on the South node. And so it's usually just a, like a two week period, which is the case this time. <laughs> And the solar eclipse being on the south node, you know, the south node has to do with the past. It has to do with your lineage. It has to do either with like karma, like from the soul's past or like, I mean, it often has to do more with your gifts, like gifts from the past coming into like fruition. Um, although if it's happening, you know, if, if it's an eclipse on the south node, it would almost suggest that in losing the thing that you've been like working towards and like building up towards, you know, like you get to the final moment and then it gets snatched away. That there's something about that that is like fruitful for you in some way. Hard medicine. <laughs> but if you're like the 98% of the population who will take no notice of this, then just know we've had a solar eclipse visible in Antarctica <laughs> on the third. Um, just really quickly, the first quarter moon after that will be on the 10th of December, the full moon on the 18th and the last quarter moon on the 26th. Um, other cool stuff going on. I don't know if you've noticed, but the evening star has been really bright. It's in the West at twilight and sets, you know, a couple hours after sunset. It is at its brightest all year. Um, the max brightness is achieved on the 7th of December. 
and it reaches its highest elevation, meaning it's the highest above the horizon on the 13th of December. And it's just a cool thing to see. I just like, I just keep looking at it. It's also amazing because it's like Venus is there and then Saturn, which is dimmer, but has a little bit of a yellowish hue and then Jupiter. And they're kind of like strung along the ecliptic, um, sort of like above and to the left if you're in the Northern hemisphere. Um, and, you know, Jupiter is also white. I mean, Venus is a very white, like, sort of star-like looking object and so is Jupiter and they're they're just cool and the the moon is going to on the sixth um the moon is going to make a so-called very close approach conjunction alignment with Venus and you know it'll be a cool thing to see it should be very dramatic you know like I don't know (laughs) and then the moon is going to go on and on the 7th and the 9th, it will make a close, another close approach to Saturn and then to Jupiter, not quite as close, not quite as nearly as dramatic. I mean, cause Venus is so bright. It's the brightest thing other than the sun, than the sun and the moon right now. Um, and so that's just a cool thing to see if, if you are into the phases of Venus, um, keep listening. So I'm going to go into that just a little bit. I've been tracking the Venus cycle. I know it's boring to some people. <laughs> you can fast forward to the end if you're not interested in this. Um, so <laughs> we're uh, that that coming up alignment on the sixth is going to be the eighth conjunction between Venus in the evening sky and the crescent moon. Um, And this is, you know, not that common that you have eight, you normally have seven. Um, There were also eight when Venus was morning star um, last year. And so it's kind of an extraordinary Venus cycle having eight, they're called, you know, we call them gates in the morning and the evening um, before Venus goes into a new cycle, which is coming up in January. Um, That's kind of, you know, been uh, different, strong, noticeable, impactful. Anyone who's been listening knows that I've been tracking the Venus cycle a lot um, just because it sort of whacked me. It super whacked me back in March, um, probably because the Venus and the sun made, um, you know, Venus was in the underworld back in February and March, meaning it was on the other side of the sun from us. And it made its exact conjunction alignment at, um, oh, see, let me look. (laughs) I should know it off the top of my head. Five degrees, 50 minutes Aries. And that is less than a degree from my North node. And like my whole career work stuff just exploded at that point. And I was like, what is going on? And there was nothing else. I had no other transits, just this one. So I started tracking the Venus cycle. You know, we can all, we're, some of us come late to the party. (laughs) So um, anyway, I, all right, bit of business. Um, The, Starshine 
you know, monthly planner, we've stopped doing it. You know, this is the, one of the things that blew up for me is I stopped being able to spend any long chunks of time at the computer, um, or a desk or anything. And so I just, I had to give it up. I mean, I don't know why I took on a planner <laughs> during that period, but, you know, just call it like being willful or something. Um, but if you go to a little more free.com slash starshine or a little more free.com and you choose starshine from the main menu, um, that will take you to a page where I've still got the guides. There's their transit guides. I've got the 2021, 2022 mercury cycle all mapped out. Well, to some, I mean, I want to put more detail in there anyway. And I've also got the Venus cycle in there. And let me just share this, my screen with you really quick. If anyone is actually watching rather than learning, I mean, listening, sorry. Um, so that is the, you know, the, all of the guides are right here and you can go look at the past planners. And so we've got the, all the major points in the Venus cycle in this uh, PDF handout, you can download it. And I've now added links for each of the gates and, you know, major points that um, will link to an image of the chart for that moment. So um, <clears throat> we're in the seventh gate right now. Let me go back to that. We're in the seventh gate. And that was, um, that happened on the 8th of November. Wait, is that right? <laughs> uh, yes, 8th of November. And it, it was at two degrees, 36 minutes Capricorn. And the seventh gate is, you know, in the myth of Inanna, this is when Inanna receives her crown and she's fully restored as queen of heaven. Um, I've been experiencing this more like a coming to consciousness as in waking up sometimes not in a very pleasant way, you know, Capricorn can be very like hard and like, you know, this is like the cold stone floor after the revelry and you wake up and you're like drooling on the pavement. <laughs> anyway, we're, you know, we've been in that and um, then coming up on the sixth, we're going to do the eighth gate, which is probably the chakra above the head. Those of you who believe in chakras, you know, some people call this the cosmic portal of manifestation. Um, if you've, you know, done, you know, sort of shamanic Kundalini type um, energy work, this is the location of the, like the golden sun, you know, this is, it's sort of like your connection with universal intelligence, sometimes called the solar logos, logos meaning word, literally, you know, the word of God. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's like thought and mind and consciousness or whatever, um, cosmic consciousness. Um, it probably won't be feel that tralala. It's probably going to be kind of heavy just because it's in Capricorn and Pluto is with it. So if you can see this, um, well, for those who can't see, 
Um, the, the conjunction is at 23 and a half degrees Capricorn. So if you've got sensitive chart points near that, this may be, you know, a special activation for you. Um, but also Pluto is at 25 degrees, 11 minutes Capricorn. So that's about a degree and a half uh, alignment with the eighth gate. So that just means spooky time. No, <laughs> I mean, Pluto is pushes transformation. It takes you to the depths of your like emotional, like um, subconscious to the places that are keeping you locked up and trapped from evolving. So the ultimate goal is always the evolution of consciousness. This is, I mean, and I've, you know, I diverge a little bit from some astrologers in how I look at Pluto that way, but, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of the community that sort of looks at it like this. It's always had a bad reputation because sometimes you get your ass kicked by Pluto, like really badly, but this is usually because you need to get your ass kicked in order to grow and evolve. Um, you know, if only to wake up to the reality that sometimes life actually really sucks. Sad to say, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, sometimes it unlocks like, you know, these reservoirs of power and aliveness and passion. I mean, this is also Pluto is like the God of like, hot sex. <laughs> uh, cathartic transformation, um, retrieval of life force, um, integration of the shadow. And what, you know, what does that mean that this, you know, integrating the shadow, you know, that's a, like a masterclass in some ways, but it's also simple. It's like, the shadow is what you have banished into unconsciousness or subconsciousness. It can sort of peek up periodically, but you stuff it back down because it's too dangerous, too threatening, or just maybe it wasn't ever seen. Um, so scary, terrible things can hide in the shadow. If you have never like, you know, had that come to Jesus, like reconciliation with whatever it is, but actually also really beautiful things can hide in the shadow because maybe, you know, you're the family that raised you and the culture you grew up in never saw this, this thing either in you or about life, you know, like, like the, you know, beautiful, powerful things that sometimes they're considered too dangerous too, you know, like being ecstatically overjoyed with love at something that's threatening too. So it really varies, you know, uh, integrating the shadow can mean integrating any one of those kinds of things. Um, no matter what it is, you always end up, you always emerge feeling more powerful. So even if it's like hell, you do come out of it just like, you know, steam is rising off of you and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, I'm ready, ready for some more shit. <laughs> um, 
Not to say that this is going to be the case for anybody in particular. I mean, you know, this could totally pass you by, but you know, if you're say you're in a personal Pluto cycle right now, this might be a very potent time for you because this is the one Venus gate that is with Pluto right now. So this gate may really like, you know, pop something open for you. And, um, you know, I do think it will, regardless of anything else have to do with submission to a higher will, you know, divine will, you know, the, the laws of the universe, right. It's bigger than me, you know, uh, that sense. And so we'll see, um, Mars continues to be puny, um, here, I'll stop sharing and barely hardly visible. Technically Mars is out of the underworld since November 23rd. Um, it reached 15 degrees separation from the sun. Although I think a case could also be made for the 10 degree separation, which happened uh, a couple weeks earlier, maybe a week and a half earlier. Um, but it is virtually impossible to see. <clears throat> it's on the far side of the sun from us. It's faint. It's like, it's just hiding in the, 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 in this case, the morning, the dawn glow. Um, it has moved to the, to the morning sky, meaning when we eventually can see it, we'll see it before sunrise in the morning in the East. Um, it was in the West, um, in like all summer, all spring, all was moving across. Um, and then it was with Venus in July in the West before sunset. Hard to see though, still, I mean, it took a long time to completely like quote unquote, enter the underworld, like, sorry, getting within 15 or 10 degrees of the sun, but it was like practically impossible to see for me. I mean, I, I don't think I saw it that whole time and it will not be very visible until at least March of next year, according to the astronomy websites that I look at. So here we are. It is almost Christmas-ish, kind of. I mean, people were putting up their trees at, the, at Halloween, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, I hope that you have a wonderful um, December and I hope you get out on the 6th to go look at the Venus moon alignment, the evening star and the crescent. Um, and yes, that is the symbol that is like has been used across the Islamic world because it's, it, you know, it happens so regularly and it's so dramatic. And especially if you lived in the desert without light pollution or atmospheric pollution, you know, it would be like this dramatic thing that you would see regularly. So anyway, hopefully, um, if all goes well, Larkin and I will be back with you, um, for one more episode before the year comes to a close. And we will be reflecting and celebrating our first season. And after that, I am pulling the plug and I'm taking down all of our episodes except for the interviews. 
She doesn't know this yet. I think she's going to agree with me. It's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, I know we've had a few people who have appreciated our little podcast, but you know, it was really a freshman effort and it was just a way to be in touch during the pandemic. And anyway, I think it needs to come down. <laughs> um, anyway, we will be doing that um, hopefully in the next week or two, couple of weeks. I don't know. And, uh, and then, and we'll, you know, we should be able to let you know what or if we're going to do anything in a season two, like, will there be a season two and what will it look like if we do do a season two, it will be shorter. I mean, this is the feedback we've gotten from a lot of people that our episodes were too long. And so if nothing else, we're going to do that. And I think we're going to try to be more disciplined about like having segments and just trying to just like, keep it a little tighter. So with that, thank you. Catch you next time. Or hopefully. <laughs>